Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. You might realise that actually we're not in our usual setting because we've gone on the road uh, for the first time. And there's a reason for that because the person I'm interviewing today is somebody I've admired from afar uh, for quite a long time. Judy Burchell is perhaps one of British journalism's best-known columnists and writers. She's been at it now for 40 years nearly, I hope she won't mind me saying. Her latest book is this, Welcome to the Woke Trials, How Identity Killed Progressive Politics. It's already proving to be a very popular seller on Amazon. Um, Julie, thanks for inviting us down. Thank you so much or for coming here. Or should I say here. thanks for uh, agreeing? Thank you. <laughs> um, this book is, how many books have you written now actually? My goodness, maybe 15? About 15. I've had bestseller and I've had books that, that uh, 20 years after I wrote them, I'm still got negative royalties for. <laughs> so like, you know, all over the spectrum really. But this one has been well received. I, I read a lovely review of this by Quentin Letts. It's had one review, review right. which was brilliant. Yeah. I do feel it will probably be shunned by right. the rest of the newspapers. Yeah. But I can't say I'm that bothered about it. No. I got to number two in political science um, and for someone who left school at 16, um, I was very pleased. Yeah. But this is, uh, why would they, why would you be shunned with this book? Because people for a long time in the industry thought that I got away with too much. It's true that when I made it when I was very young, yeah. I was being paid an absurd amount of money. Uh, in my 20s, I was a very flashy person. I took loads of cocaine, I showed off constantly. And a lot of people who, and I'm, and I'm very working class, and a lot of people who've been to university thought that they should probably have my career rather than I should have it. The daughter of a, a cleaner and a, a factory worker. And I think now, when I have fought, had my periods when I fall from grace, those people who in the old days thought, damn, I should have a job, mm. They like it, but of course it don't bother me because I'm 62 and I've had the, the brilliant time I've had. But you started, you started writing at 17, isn't that right? Yeah, that's when I was first published, yeah. So, I mean, this sounds very, very, <laughs> you know, sort of like uh, highfalutin maybe, but was it a calling then? I mean, very few people at 17, I know, I didn't know how to breathe at 17 really. Did, how did you know, how did you know why? It was like a hand came down and touched me. <laughs> um, I remember I was a really, when lots of people have, have careers in which they behave badly, like me, they can blame it on their parents. I had the most amazing parents, really happy childhood. I was a really lovely little girl. And then I remember reading an Oscar Wilde book. And I absolutely changed overnight. She was absolute beast. Um, I would be 13 and I thought this is what I have to do and at 13 I started to talk like a character from an Oscar Wilde but when my mother would try and kiss me goodnight I'd fend her off and I'd go, Father, I think mother may have lesbianic tendencies. <laughs> I was a 13 year old kid um, so yeah I knew I was different and I had a call in and luckily I, um, I got the job when I was 17. And that was with the new musical Uh-huh, yeah. well, it was really good and yeah. very big. Yeah. They had so many applicants for the job. One was Sebastian Shakespeare and the other was Rod Little. Really? Yeah, and there were like 40,000 applicants. Good Lord. See, the, 
Well, a lot of people wouldn't know, actually, that the New Musical Express was a real power in the land. It was huge. Yeah. I meet people now from Australia who say they used to just sit there waiting for a two-week-old copy of the NME to arrive. People now, you can stream and read everything online, don't understand how you had to work to keep yeah. up with pop then. I was reading about the DJ, uh, Jay Strongman, yeah. and when Anarchy in the U came out, uh, Anarchy in the UK came out, he had to travel through two towns to buy the record. And it's like medieval times or something. Yes. Um, you mentioned actually in the book, uh, I was reading it, that uh, you were quite clear about not really wanting to go to university. You know, the reason I'm asking is that, is that now a lot of people are actually making the decision, you know what, is this really worth it? But why did you not Because, because of the class I was from, because I was considered clever, I was presumed that I would go to university and become a teacher or something. Well, that was obviously the the, the, the furthest thing from Oscar Wilde you can imagine. Um, and I knew if I was corralled into further education, I might have some of my my spirit taken out of me, my originality taken out of me. And uh, yeah, it didn't appeal to me. Um, so basically after that... I would become a shoplifter. I already had a, <laughs> I already had a shoplifting <laughs> empire. And so I probably would have gone on with that. But you pretty much work for most papers, haven't you? In, oh gosh, in yeah. As you used to call it, Fleet Street. Yes, oddly enough, one of my favourite papers to work for was The Guardian. Yeah, right. I had a great time there and actually produced a book of my columns um, just for The Guardian. And I left The Guardian because when I asked for a rise, they said I could have a new sofa instead. Really? And I thought they weren't taking me seriously. <laughs> and then I went to the Times, who bought me, who bought me for three years like a footballer. But I was at the height of my drug period then, so halfway through they paid me to go away. Yeah. Uh, then came, then came a few hungry years. Then, then I sold my Banksy. Um, so I've never been poor. But you also wrote a. A novel which then got you an end, <gasps> didn't it? Oh, oh my God, Sugar Rush! Yeah, Sugar Rush is one of the great ones. That must have been around the year two thousand, I think. Yeah. That was a fantastic time. Yeah. yeah, I've had so much happen to me, mm. but as I will admit, was addled with, with cocaine for twenty years. I don't remember were, a lot of it. You were known well. You, you were known as the queen of the Groucho Club, being yes, the Groucho Club being the media club in Soho. I would say no. I was probably uh, that sounds so. I did say that, but it sounds pretentious. I never had to join. I think I was their mascot. Yeah, right. Um, I d they definitely did treat me like like their mascot. But is that kind of? I mean. It, it feels, the Groucho Club media scene and journalists, it, it feels very much in a it's kind of English tradition, you know, going way back. Is that still there? Well, we like to think we were like the Algonquin, That's what I've which seen, I yeah. think, looking back, we probably weren't. Uh, I mean, Toby was like shagging a Princess Diana look-alike in the billiards room and one and other of us would be having sex in the toilets. It wasn't like the Algonquin, it was like a, like a teenage gang with mm. added cocaine. Mm. I, that's how I think of it. A very happy time, but we did get above ourselves and we did have a much higher estimation of what culture were worth than... Well, I don't, well, actually, no, I mean, I, I, it sounds like I'm being ingratiating here, but you did start something, didn't you, as a group of you, yeah. called the Modern Review, yeah, which yeah. was really influential. It, it? Can you explain what that was? Toby Young, my friend, my best friend, 
was very, very highly, highly educated. He got a double first at Oxford, but he was obsessed with Baywatch and The Simpsons. And I remember we were at a theme park one day and I just looked at him and I said, we'll start a magazine called The Modern Review. You'll be the editor and we'll write about popular culture in a really intelligent way. Because people weren't doing that. Yeah. You had had people like Pauline Kael, of course, mm. in America, who would specialise in writing about films in a very popular way. And lots of American film critics. But in England, people were very snobby still. So I think we did make a real breakthrough in that we had people who had been done very well at Oxford, like Toby, Tom Shane was our film critic. But we were interested in common things. But now it seems like a pretty much mainstream doesn't yes, it? That it people did. write about you know Britney Spears in, a, in yeah. a, a serious newspaper and all of that I guess now you put it that way we did we were very influential we were told by the man who started who began the culture at the Sunday Times that it was based exactly on modern review mm. Toby says we were the victims of our own success yeah. but as our success at the most was 20,000 readers I don't know how big that was but no it was an incredible time to be around and oh just i got into journalism at exactly the right moment when you say that do you what do you what do you think of it now journalism? i would not advise any young person with unconventional views to try to enter this profession i think it's it reeks of nepotism mm. um in working class bright working class kids like me or caitlin moran we could not happen again because you have to have context. You have to be able to afford to live in London and not be paid as an intern. So I would just not advise them to do it. I'd advise them to be a shoplifter instead. <laughs> this is the case though with so many professions, isn't it? I mean, you know, like I was in television for quite a long time and it was, that was the same thing. It used to be have this class, this feel about it. Not anymore. I yeah. Think. Not, not anymore. Absolutely. I think it's very interesting that, that the rise of nepotism has gone alongside the rise of woke. Mm. Because in theory, wokeism should be very much against privilege. Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like the working class can't be trusted to have nice things, including easy jobs that pay well. Do you think, Julie, that the working class you came from in Bristol, uh, do you think that working class is still there? It is. It's been marginalised, yeah. as the working class in Brighton has been, to move further out. But it's still there. And I hate, I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person, but I do think in the future there may well be a, a confl conflagration of, of the dispossessed working class and mm. their new woke masters. I think there will be a big battle in the future at some point. I'm, I'm glad I had my fun when I had it. I do say in my book, young people today are so miserable that if rock and roll were invented today, it would be us all people out dancing to it and yeah, then trying yeah. to burn the records. <laughs> well, yes. Do you know there's two versions of fairy tales in New York yeah. and they play the cleaned up one for the young people <laughs> and they play the dirty one over here too. Absolutely <laughs> saved me. In Welcome to the Woe Trials, actually, you're very, you go into a lot of depth about the fact that working class people seem to be one of the real demons 
for woke people. Yeah. Is, would you say that, that that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think wokeism, I still consider myself really left-wing. I'd abolish it all inheritance, I'd abolish private education, I'd nationalise everything. I do think wokeism, when we voted for Brexit, the liberal ruling class realised that they could no longer corral us yeah. when the Red Wall came down yeah. and woke is an expression of contempt for people that cannot be controlled. But I would much prefer to have their contempt than be corralled by them. Yes. That, I that because case. I think they're worthless people. Yeah. Do you think this, this thing, there's a, a, a trope that's taken hold now that woke is actually a power struggle and that it's about maintaining upper middle class power. Yes, utterly. Yeah. They can't say, I mean, the Fabian Society used to believe in eugenics. Mm. There's a very funny piece in the book when the wonderful uh, firefighter and trade unionist Paul Emery, who mm. was sacked for being pro-Brexit, mm. he's at a Fabian Society um, talk, talking about how he is pro-Brexit and he gets heckled and he calls back what you're going to do is sterilise me mm. and there's always been an attempt to keep us down in some way and woke is just the new the new way they're attempting to oppress working class thought yeah yeah it's funny isn't it though that there seems to have been a complete return around in that way yeah i mean there's the people who think they're being revolutionary the people or say that they are in fact are just simply the establishment when i got sacked from the telegraph i realized that i'd come absolutely full circle from the time i was like 17 i'd write things and be told you can't say that and now i was when i got the boot um earlier this year mm -hmm. i was 61 and i was being told by the same class of people you can't say that except this time they were younger rather than older than me mm -hmm. But so it's like I've stayed in one place and the people who tell you what you can and cannot say, they've changed. Yes. But still the same message and still a message that I will not pay any heed to. Yes, yes. There's something actually that I wrote down that you, you put in the book. I just thought it was rather nice, but rather sad. But you say, it's a great time to be a writer, this woke period we're in at an awful time to be a decent human being who just wants to live a quiet life. Now, obviously you're not the- I'm not the second. You're not the second, you don't worry about that. Uh, so it's actually been quite quite good for you. I would have thought really that actually of all journalists I can think of, woke would be the biggest anathema to you more than almost any other journalist I can think of. It is, I think a lot of the, uh, the big gap is that we have a sense of humor and they don't. Yeah. Um, I'll be very surprised if they ever, when you listen now to the state-sponsored comedians on Radio 4, they literally have no jokes, they just yell Brexit, and Brexit has become like mother-in-law, mm. then you all laugh. Mm. Um, I don't think, think Wokeness will produce one good novel, one great singer, nothing. I, don't th I think they know that they are a sterile, a sterile subgroup and it makes them cross that people like my, our generation who did have all the fun of course they cross like with them people the old people who they say own their own homes and it's a shame all those old people but my generation too who just had such a great laugh mm. i think lots of woke people are pissed off that they didn't live through those years but also you you mentioned here which i think is right it's like a it's a bit like the revenge of the mediocre woke 
Yes, there's a beautiful line in it. The revenge of the wallflower on the whirling dancer. Yeah. The dullard on the witch. The head, in, the curtain twitcher on the hedonist. Something like that. Yeah, yeah I was very yes. pleased with that. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be it's sort of anti-beauty. It's anti-excellence. Anti-sex. The age of losing your virginity has gone up seven years in really? a generation. Um, the what is it now then? What is it? Twenty-six. Something like that. Really? Yeah, it's really gone up. Um, the, the most people taken into A&E for cocaine overdoses are over the age of 60. And it's it's pensioners who are driving up the sexual infections. <laughs> so the sexual disease Pensioners right? driving yeah. up. But also there's another point you make in, in the a statistic in the book where you say uh, like 92%, I think, of young left-wingers in, in Berlin, Berlin live at home. Live with their yeah, I know. So it's it incredible. It? Yeah, absolutely. All our generation wanted to do was get away from home, and this. I've got children. I've got friends who have woke children, and you see the change in the in the, in, in the adults. They um, they let their children bully them, mm -hmm. and they are scared to say things in front of them. Rachel, who was just here, says she has to speak a certain way in front of her children, or they'll accuse her of being a a bigot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very Eastern European, this. Uh, it really, really it, is. It, um, just before, we, we just. I do have a great line in it. Yeah. It's as if um, a monstrous legion of violet Elizabeth bots joined the Stasi. <laughs> yes. Because you, you, I think you say it's like a tantrum. They're having a tantrum. Yeah. But what's lethal is that because at the huge reach of it already, and at the CIA they now have pronouns. Uh, I've never seen uh, an oppressive movement move so fast, so quickly. Yes. Well, that's the astonishing thing, really, about it. Is that you're talking about basically a year. One thing that's interested me, I think you sort of alluded to it already, but is that, uh, like Brexit, all of our institutions seem to collude to try and stop it. And, you know, that shook my whole confidence in the, all of these institutions. Yeah. But similarly, Woke has shown in the kind of level of snobbery. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Would, I would say this seems quite new. Would you say that it's always been there? Is that what it's a new way of expressing it. Because people can't look down their noses at the working class and say that they smell anymore. So they'll just say that they're gammons or they voted for, because they voted for Brexit. It's a new way of attempting to control the working class, but there are many more of us, look at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many more of us than there are of them. And of course, that's always in the back of their minds. They can't, there's too many of us to make them shut up as the red wall coming down proved, yeah. which must have given them a lovely nice shock. Yes. Um, oh, and they won't, they won't forget that in a hurry, because this is all, I think a lot of it is, like with Brexit, for example, it was like, how dare you yeah. actually go again, go again. It was a great act of insurrection. Yes. And then I remember everybody being really surprised that people like Morrissey and John Lydon mm. were Brexiteers. Mm. What did you think they'd be? Mm. Middle of the road liberals. Mm. People can be so silly. Um, I should explain, by the way, that, that some of the genesis of this, of, the, of your new book, 
does come out of what happened in ooh, actually seven years ago before we really talked about council culture isn't that right really this is when you defended Suzanne Moore wasn't it wow that was 2013 that was when the trans thing happened for the yeah. first time yeah. yeah the first chapter I think is about that well, can you just tell us what actually what happened to for you sure yeah. Suzanne wrote a um, column about she wrote an essay in a book and it was about female anger and she said women are angry about everything now we're expected to have the brains of an Oxford Don then she said something like the body of a Brazilian transsexual yeah. and she got the most terrible mobbing for this um, Suzanne and I were very close in the past her three daughters are my godchildren um, she had the police around people saying I know where your children go to school and it made me see myself i'm very impervious to criticism yeah. my husband thinks i'm a sociopath but i'm not yeah. um if someone attacks my friends i'll see red so i i was on facebook type writing involved in an argument about suzanne can say what she likes she's a great writer and then someone from the observer saw it and said would you do us a column on this so I said, well, I'm going out now. They said, we'll pay you three times the usual rate. So I basically put together what I'd been saying on Facebook already. And it was published on that Sunday and a huge congregation took place, was denounced in the House of Commons. Peace was You were denounced in the House of Commons? By a woman who got sacked for stealing stationery. They said, Lynn Featherstone. <laughs> she got them both for taking stationery. I said in the book, perhaps she identifies as W.H. Smith. Um, so, yeah, and so then I got pulled from the Observer, and I do remember the editor, John Mulholland, ringing me up and said, You know, this doesn't make a bit of difference. You know, of course, you can still keep working for us. I basically didn't work for another. I was still working, I guess, for The Spectator and Spiked, but I didn't work for a newspaper for another... Not till The Telegraph took me on five years, really? I guess. It was a long time. Luckily, I had a Banksy, so I yeah. sold it. All right, okay, okay. But... People so like to think, oh, I finally shut her up for good. But one journalist called me the bouncing bomb. <laughs> the bouncing bomb, he said, once you think she's shut up, she'll come at you from another direction. Yeah. And that's what I am. You were in, in the book as well. You, know, you, you say, for example, uh, you've got particular villains and heroes. And Sus the Sussexes, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, are the first couple of yeah. work. Right? The Gravitation is my word. The Gravitation is basically like a, on the abdication. So who was doing the grabbing? So this is this was Megan. What? I think they were. I think they were both perfectly ordinary people until they met each other, like Bonnie and Clyde or something. Yeah. I think sometimes people have a personality issue, which can lay dormant, and they both appeared separately to be having a, a lovely, innocent time by themselves, having fun. Um, I think when they got together, that maybe their family issues collided in a way which was infelicitous and has made them into this awful, awful whining, self-pitying monster that they are. But it's the woke thing, isn't it? It's the kind of do as, do as I say, not as I do, Absolutely. isn't it? Yes, hypocrisy is a huge part of woke, yeah. as with uh, climate change. There was famously um, a young uh, Extinction Rebellion person who I write about in my book, who stormed out of a radio interview when the uh, person interviewing him 
um, shared an Instagram from the past year, and I believe he'd taken eight trips, eight trips abroad, <laughs> <laughs> skiing and such on Instagram, yeah. and he'd said people should never fly unless it was absolutely necessary. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that goes on. And uh, yeah, I've never seen so, as, as Jon Snow said about Brexit, uh, I've never seen so many white people in one place as yeah. when you see those Extinction Rebellion things. One thing that struck me actually, you know, look at, because is that, in fact, you allude to it in the book, this is pretty much up to date. But the thing is, this is relentless, isn't it? It's every day there's something new. I think at the very end, you add a few more stories, a few more examples. Well, what was so funny about writing the book was that I go to bed every night and I think it's all, this is almost verbatim. I'd go to bed reeling, my head reeling over the fact that chess was no racist and wake up to find that Brum the little car from a 90s TV show was now racist. Mm. Um, it was, the book should have been easy to write, mm. but it was like painting that bridge. When yes. they paint it, they have to go back to the beginning again. Yeah. Um, because when you sort of couldn't get any sillier, and then the actor, uh, uh, Alan Cummings, said that brunch. Brunch. Brunch was. Um, oh, that's right. It's brunch was racist. I don't know why. of white supremacy. Nothing surprises me now. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just remarkable. Which brings us to the point, right? Uh, I quoted, I think this is a, a kind of rough time to live in. Um, you know, if you are not of your disposition, which is to, is to, is to take it on. Um, what about the future? I mean, you know, you, you, you bring up at the end, you know, maybe there will be, uh, you, I think you put it at the 11th hour, you know, uh, some kind of fight back but where do you see that coming from? I have no idea Christopher Hitchens used to say that many movements were made up um, by a majority of silly people led by a minority of sinister people yeah. and if the silly side of woke rises quickly then in the end it will all totally become a joke if we have enough people say like Don Butler did they're all giraffes are gay then across the whole edifice will come down. But if the sinister, if, if they do get a total grip on the culture, as it sometimes seems they will, yeah. then I don't know what's going to happen. I think there will be, there will be a, some sort of class war in the future. Luckily, I'm an old lady and I won't have to put up with it much longer. <laughs> when you, you know, as a creative person, uh, you know, I, we've interviewed, I remember Lionel Shriver, you know. <gasps> She's my favourite writer! Yeah, and, and she was talking about this stay in your lane thing with novelists and all. She shouldn't write about, say, like a black, as she's a white American, well, she shouldn't write a black character. And this, sort of, this is like the death of creativity. Absolutely. Um, I just wrote a column for Spiked in which Eddie Redmayne has yeah. apologised for playing a yeah. trans person. Yeah. I wrote in my column, I hope he's apologised to disabled actors for getting the Oscar for playing Stephen Hawking's too. Yes. Um, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis must give his back for yeah. my left foot obviously and we almost never use our imaginations ever again because it will be against the law. It, 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 it's extraordinary how this has just taken hold. Um, you do mention some bright lights towards the end. You, sort of like people like Harry Miller, you mentioned. I think he's like partly dedicated. Harry Miller. The book is yeah. partly dedicated uh -huh, to Harry Miller. Up. We've had on the show who who basically was the guy who. He's one of my heroes. Yeah, he was told, I, you know, you should check your thinking check your just thinking. because he tweeted things. 
Well, you know, I mean, it's been great to talk to you about this. I've really um, enjoyed it. And uh, you said you're an optimistic person, right? I'm a horribly optimistic person. I don't know what it is, but I so often feel like I'm on drugs, but I'm not. Um, one of the reasons I did leave the marital home, though I am still married, is because I wake up at five in the morning and I begin, I start to sing straight away. And my husband's like, I don't want to like wake people up, but I'm very, very optimistic. I've had a, but I think it, the thing is, loads and loads of times people thought I was done, I was finished, they got rid of me. Each time I bounce back, I've got a musical in the Brighton Festival next year. Really? And I've wanted oh. to write a musical ever since I was a child, but I took so many drugs, so I didn't get around to it. And I'm, <laughs> so I'm totally excited about that. What what is the what's about what's it about the musical? What's it's a, about? it's called the Torch Song Triangle, and it's a sad story about a young lady that falls in love with a gay man, and then a lesbian falls in love with her. It's very bright and it's got some lovely songs in it, written by me and my composer Robin Watts, mm. and um, so I'm really looking forward to that because it was meant to be on three years ago, then the COVID came along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't go into COVID, Julia. She was a so probably uh, require another hour, uh, I imagine. But uh, this is next year, is it, the musical? Yes, next spring. Now look, when it comes to the book, welcome to the Woke Trials, but this can be got where? You can get it on Amazon. Right. But amazingly, I thought I would be shunned by the larger stores. But if you look on Waterstones or even WH Smith, it says they'll get it for you as well. Right. Now, it has to come from America, so it has to be ordered. But you can get it on Amazon now, they've got a lot of stock in. Okay. Thank you, Julie. Thank very you very much. much. I really enjoyed yeah, myself. Yeah, lovely. And, and all the very best for this. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Um... Thank you for not mentioning my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Uh, that's it for so what you're saying is this week. So well, uh, we shall see you probably in the studio again next time. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.